Are you ready to go offside? Because it's time for Offside Hockey Talk with your host, James Roberts, and myself, Doug Ireland. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Offside Hockey Talk, and we are back with another great summer guest. We have Ryan Lacey from Inside the Neutral Zone. Ryan, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Not too bad. Doug, as my co-host as always, how are you hanging on today, my friend? Well, I am hanging on. Uh, I'm excited to be talking about more hockey. There's, It's starting to get closer and closer. I think we're like about three weeks away from training camp for the Leafs opening at least. So time to start talking about hockey again. Well, seeming we have Ryan on from inside the neutral zone, he deals with the Columbus Blue Jackets. That is where we are going to start. Of course, we'll talk about a bunch of other things as well. But let's start, Ryan, by talking about the offseason that has been so far for the Columbus Blue Jackets and losing Matt Duchesne, Artemi Panarin, and your starting goaltender in Bobrovsky. Wondering what your initial thoughts were. Did you expect this to happen? And how do you feel going into next year without those players? And, you know, having Corpusalo maybe not as a, uh, you know, a 1A or 1B type, but just not knowing what you have there. Well... We did lose the big three, and that is three of the five players that we ended up losing because we did lose Dezengel, Keith uh, Kincaid, and we're getting ready to lose Adam McQuaid because he's currently so injured that he's never been heard of. So <laughs> with with the way, I mean, as far as is like what we expected, we did lose it. We did. Everybody should have saw that Bob was leaving. Florida was the destination he was going to. Um, our Timmy Panarin was a little bit of a shock to us. We were kind of hoping and praying that things were going to go. It was a 50-50 between him. But we were really, I'd say we were about 75% sure that Duchesne was going to resign. But he ended up going to Nashville. So with that being said, I mean, even though we did lose our big three, our core is still in place. And, I mean, bringing in Gustav Nyquist isn't going to replace what we lost. But we've got players like Emil Bemstrom, Alexander Texier that's going to fill in some of those voids. And I don't know if you guys have seen these guys play. I've watched some highlight tapes on Bemstrom, and he's kind of been labeled as the poor man's Ovechkin. He is a power play specialist. He likes shooting from that top circle. And, man, I, I tell you what, give give Alexander Texier three years, three years to mature and develop in the NHL, and he will be a top six forward in the National Hockey League. Not, not overall, but just for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Well, I mean, that's something you guys are definitely going to need. I mean, you look at the fact, like you said, Dezingle's gone, Duchesne's gone, Panarin's gone. And just to touch on that for a second, when the billboards went up with the vodka company trying to sway over (laughs) Artemi Panarin, I 100% thought him being Russian and vodka being something that Russians really love. Hello, Alex Ovechkin swimming in a pond. Um, You know, I really thought he was going to be staying with the team. I knew in my heart of hearts, you can ask Doug, I said it the entire time, I knew that Duchesne was going to Nashville. That was a match made in country heaven. He was going there. He loves his country music. <laughs> and like you said, Bobrovsky 100%. The landing spot was cleared out for him when they made Lou retire. 
shipped out Reimer, but they also did a whole bunch of moves at the deadline to get the cap space to maybe even lure in Panarin. So I really thought Panarin was staying. But you do look at your team. You bring in Gustav Nyquist. Now, the price tag for me may be a little high. Um, You look at this guy. He can put up 20 goals. He can do what he needs to do for you. But, you know, you look at last season, it's not exactly one you try to compare to the players that you lost. You know, 16 goals, 33 assists. Uh, He goes to the San Jose Sharks in 19 games. He's 11 points. Not too bad, but... Hopefully, he can at least, you know, outpace maybe Dezingle, but you know he's not replacing Panarin. This season, for your roster, who do you think is going to be the one to grab the bull by the horns and really step it up? For me, I think it's Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, to touch back, I mean, with the whole Matt Duchesne thing, the you're right, that was a match made in country heaven. And I've told people this before. If he doesn't want to stay, I completely understand. I mean, I like country music. I love hockey. When it comes down to a Columbus or Nashville, I'm choosing Nashville. <laughs> um, no, 100%. I just seen Luke oh, Bryan this past weekend, so uh, country music yeah. is running through my veins all the time. <laughs> I'm getting ready to see Jamie Johnson on Sunday, so I completely agree. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I do like – like I do own a Pierre-Luc Dubois jersey, so he is a very nice player. But the one player I think that really grabs the team and kind of says, hey, this is what, how we need to go. They're doubting us that we're down and out. And I think it's going to be Josh Anderson. Um, I hope Anderson, so, man. After holding out last year and not getting a big deal, I hope. Yeah, I mean, he's really put up some numbers and has really matured into the player that we've all thought he's going to be. And... I think we all kind of have it in the back of our minds that he may not always be with us because he is from the Toronto area and he may end up at one point going to the Maple Leafs. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, a that's, nice, that's what every Maple Leaf fan. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice change of yeah. pace because we're kind of used to guys the other way around with guys like Stamkos where it seems like all they want to do is get the heck out of, out of Toronto. So, yeah, that's fine with me. <laughs> no, like, I tell you what, you guys, Toronto's got some of the most passionate hockey fans I have ever seen like and I completely understand some of the anger coming along with the Mitch Marner thing and not having a contract done yet but but do you have, can you, you agree with me have... Ryan it, it's kind of crazy you look at the anger for the Mitch Marner thing and I am a Maple Leaf fan too obviously but you look at it he's not the only RFA and it really if you sit here and listen over the summer you know other than knowing your own team's RFAs what is the name that has churned in the media the most? And it's Mitch Marner. And to me, yeah. he's not even the biggest RFA out there when you have guys like no. Braden Point out there. Hmm. Yeah, Miko Rantanen's out there. Miko Rantanen. And here's the crazy thing. This is going to be, and I said it today on Twitter, it's now the players of the NHL are following the mold of the NBA and the NFL, and they're just going to hold out. They're just, it's going to be the new norm every yep. summer. Every RFA is just going to sit and wait. And you know what? One guy pointed out it's going to take one GM or one owner to sit down and say, you know what? You can sit the year. I don't give a shit. But 
The yep. owner to do that this year, I think, was going to be Tom Dundon of the Carolina Hurricanes with Sebastian Ajo. And goddamn Mark Virgin had to stick his big nose in there <laughs> and flex his big old muscles and say, I'm signing this guy, and this is what we're going to do and front load it. I think that's the player that would have sat out all year long because they wouldn't have signed him to the big number. Now, you go and you listen now. You know, not only does Marner want a big deal, but you listen to, to Chuck there over in Calgary wanting 10 mil a year now. I mean, this is insane. And these guys are going to sit and wait for it. Go ahead and sit and wait. Sit and rot. You know, yeah. unless your team desperately needs you, which I love Mitch Marner on the Maple Leafs. We have a lot of offensive weapons. Would it be sweet to have him in there and add to the mix? Of course. Of course. But somebody needs to take a hard line. I don't think it'll be Dubas. But somebody does. Otherwise, this will be the way it goes. Much like players not wanting to sign max deals anymore, where they can get the years out of it, they want to sign three to five years so they can be up and get another big contract and another big contract. And that is following the suit of the NBA and NFL. And that's going to be the new norm, unfortunately. I mean, yeah, and I, com- I completely agree. And that honestly scares the hell out of me because yeah. you see some of these players and the NBA and the NFL doing what they do to the contracts. And we've been through two lockouts now, and quite frankly, we're headed towards another one. It's it's bound to happen because of the players in the NHLPA. And with the whole Mitch Marner situation, yeah, if Montreal had – or the uh, Sebastian Ajo situation, of course Montreal had to stick their nose in it. They don't really have a choice. They're such a terrible of a team. <laughs> I – <laughs> I, I between them and Ottawa, I don't understand how they have the players that they do, and they year after year cannot draft good players. And that's that's the same way with uh, Edmonton Oilers. They've got Connor. Well, McDavid I'm going to say something about Montreal title. right quick. Montreal, the reason why is for whatever reason and. Correct me if I'm wrong, boys, but I think I've heard this numerous times. They always have to go with a French-speaking coach, and a lot of the decisions made before this time were around keeping things towards the French-Canadian way or the French way of you know having French francophone players on the team. Now, if you look at it, it seems to be they're trending towards the same brain trust which is drafting the same type of players now i don't know their system inside and out i don't know all their prospects i don't know all their players but i do know a few fans of the montreal canadians and they're a little excited for this year but frustrated at the same time because they didn't really do much this offseason and you're talking about edmonton i mean that is just a whole other kettle of fish (laughs) i'm surprised that we don't see more of that uh hometown hockey drafting attitude like we had a pretty good discussion earlier uh in the summer about how the uh, right after the the uh the draft about how the leafs didn't pick up a single ontario born guy they did have uh the one guy that played in the gthl when he was a kid but we were we had a thing about that and then you turn around you see montreal focusing on that francophone thing you got to think that if the more like there's more than one ontario team and you got to think if there was another team in quebec that uh, there would be less pressure for Montreal to have that kind of anglophone or francophone rather uh, leaning with their players. So 
I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm for just whatever the best player is for your team. Positional need. I don't care where you're from. You can come from China. You can come from Bulgaria. You can come from anywhere. If you can play hockey at a high level and you're that good, I will draft you. That's That would be my mentality. If you're up there, exactly. it doesn't matter if you played in the GTHL or you played in, you know, the the Zipple, wherever that is, you know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. You know, if you play high-level hockey and you can compete and you can come in and earn a roster spot – Go right ahead. It's like the Leafs right now. Everybody is 50-50 on this Mikheyev kid because he's being toted around the city by Babcock, but no one's seen him play on the team yet. So how can you, A, laud a guy, and B, crap on a guy? You got to let him play. You got to see what he's worth and what he can do. It's like you guys in Columbus when you had Josh Anderson holding out. You know, nobody knew why he was holding out because you look at his numbers. They weren't very good. But he was like Andreas Janssen of the Leafs, bet on himself, and look at the season he had last year. Now he's coming into this season at a, you know, basically 1.9 mil, you know, 50K less than that. But anyway, and then going into RFA. That's got to be scary for you guys because you have this player who may now be putting up beast mode numbers and he may walk, like he said, because the price tag might be too high for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, and I completely agree. And the thing with uh, this whole Zach Wierenski situation and being an RFA, he's hopeful that a contract's going to be signed by training camp. But me being a Blue Jackets fan, I kind of hope we get rid of him. Because Really? Why is that? Because if you've watched him play just positionally wise and how he goes in and attacks the puck, when he took that shoulder injury a few years back, he just seems like he's really scared to go in and kind of dig deep into it, even though he did get in a fight. He did get in a fight last year, so I'm proud of Zach for that. <laughs> but I am very, very old-school hockey because of the fact that if you want a position on a team, you have to fight for it. It's not I'm a big-name person. I don't have to really – I can only do 50-50 each every, every other night. You have to give it and give 100% on the team every game or you're not going to play. Not that and, plus minus is hugely indicative, but I mean, looking at his numbers, you know, 16-17 is a plus 17, then 17-18 only a plus 8, then last year a minus 12. So, I mean, maybe battling, like you said, in those tough areas, it's not a, an all-be-all, end-all stat. A lot of people don't even pay attention to it anymore. But to see a player go from high pluses to into double negatives, it's... It's a little concerning if you ask me. Particularly when it's right next to Josh Anderson, who has a plus minus of he has a plus twenty five with only three more points. Like that tells you that tells you there's something off there. So Oh yeah. And if you look at those numbers, the plus and minus, the big jump, the the starting point of the plus was when he first got paired up with Seth Jones. And then John Tortorello kind of bumped him down a little bit uh, the year before last, and then last year he took a really big bump down, and he was actually paired up on the third pair defense for a while, and that really hurt him. But, I mean, he's got 40-something He's got 40 -something points in the NHL this past season. So, I mean, when it comes down to it, I personally would not mind if we did like a Zach Wierenski and a first-round pick or something like that to Jake for Jake Gardner from uh, Toronto or something along with it. Like, well, I mean, I Jake like Gardner's Gardner. a free agent. You guys can run out and get him anytime well, you want. Yeah. I mean, but if you're willing to move on from Rensky, I mean, you may look at another team's problem, like the Winnipeg Jets, who have Kyle Connor and 
Patrick Laine as RFAs, and maybe you dangle, hey, you lost a couple defenders this season or this off season in uh, Truba and Myers. You know, would you like to take Wierenski to boost up your offense on the back end, and we'll take one of those young guys up front. You know, basically oh, yeah. swap problem for problem. Yeah, and Kyle Connor, I think, is the more proven player out of that bunch. I mean, Patrick Laine had a good start to the, his career. But last year, there's just no answers to what happened last year. Last year was just terrible. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy to say that a guy who scored 30 goals had a terrible year, but it's how he got to that 30, which has everybody concerned. I mean, you look. we look at Phil Kessel when he played for the Leafs. He had, you know, some cold streaks, but nothing quite like that where he went dead quiet, didn't even know yeah. he was on the ice to the point where all of a sudden he's got 18 goals and what – was it five or ten games or something like that? And then silent again. Like, it's insane. Yeah, and like you said, it was a hot and cold streak. I, I mean, I remember there was a point where we were just like, he's just not on the scoring sheet, so you might as well not even worry about him. I but, mean, the, the, yeah. the more goals you get as a player, and like if you have 30 goals and your, your plus minus is minus 24, Again, that's just that just leaps out of you. That means that you were on the ice for, for like fifty-four goals against. That's just obscene. Oh, completely. And There's a guy in your system that I want you to uh, pay attention to this this off season and this training camp. It's Maxim Fortier. I think that's somebody who could add a little bit of a bottom six role for you guys. I really like Maxim Fortier. Okay. Yeah, we've uh, we've already talked. Um, the other guy who uh, is co-hosting with me for the Inside the Neutral Zone hockey podcast that we're going to be having set up here in about a week. Um, we're going to be taking a couple days off to go to the training camp, so we'll definitely have to take a look into him. We don't know too much about him, but with the prospects being the way they are, I mean, Columbus drafted well the last few years. There's just... And that's... That's the biggest thing that I think, though, too, with the NHL is they don't – I mean, I know they've looked into the prospects a little bit, but I don't think they truly know what kind of prospects we have. No, that's true. Well, the reason why I talk about uh, Maxim Fortier, and, and Doug can attest to this, um, he's a former Halifax Moosehead, so I'm in Halifax myself. <laughs> Doug's in Toronto. Oh, nice. But um, So I've seen a lot of uh, Mr. Maxim Fortier play, and we actually were very lucky this past season – to have uh, Mr. Maxim Forche of the Cleveland Monsters on the show. Um, you know, I got to connect with him a few times as a Moosehead player, and he got the okay to come on, and we talked to him about everything, you know, from Tortorella to just the camp and all the way through the ECHL, the injury, the AHL. So he's definitely a guy who can score and definitely a guy that can add a little bit of, uh, I guess you could say, grit to the game. So he's someone I would definitely say to watch and definitely one heck of a person. So... If you're looking for someone to have on, get, if you're looking for someone to have on your new podcast, that's someone yeah. I would reach out to right there, Maxim Forte. You'll come on in a heartbeat. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely try reaching out to him. Um, we were supposed to have a interview with Bill Zito, the assistant GM, and I think that fell through. We had a couple emails back and forth, but it's gone silent the last six days. So I just. I haven't really reached out to him. I don't want to pester him too much because hopefully he's working on assisting and making a big trade or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, the uh, truth right there. Yep. Maybe that Wierenski deal is coming. <laughs> hey, hey, if it comes, 
as long as he comes back and he comes on strong, that's all that matters. When when would you start getting worried about un, unsigned restricted free agents? Are you talking like when camp starts or like a week before the season? When is that point for you? Um, I would say probably a week after training camp starts because I can understand a little bit of a holdout once training camp starts because – I mean, when training camp starts, I look at it like they're back into the cities that they're supposed to be in. They're working on within that week, trying to get a deal organized. And then if they don't get a deal done that first week, then I would start getting a little worried. So there you go, Leafs fans. Calm down about Marner. (laughs) There's so much time (laughs) until you can start panicking, like really. Listen, like yeah, I said, I mean, I'm not even worried. I, I would let Marner sit. I mean, I love Marner, and I want him to sign. I want him to be a Leaf. But at the same time, I don't want any team to be handcuffed. And, I mean, that goes for every team. I mean, I love the game, right? So I understand there's a business side of it, and these guys need to get paid. But I don't want to go into every single summer sitting in August or September with a list of 20 to 30 guys that haven't signed that are RFA and they're all waiting for one domino to fall so they can start in their pecking order or where they fall into place to get paid. I don't want that. You know, no. I like knowing my players are signed. I like knowing where my team is at, you know, to watch them, to get prepared, to, you know, look at the roster, start making line combinations. And now right now, you look at the Leafs, you know, okay, you know Marner's supposed to be beside Tavares, but who's going to play there if Marner's not there, just like last year with Nylander? And for you guys, you look at your defense, you know, so you got Clint Denning, you got uh, Mr. Dean Kukan, Scott Harrington, Nudavara, Savard, Murray, and of course Seth Jones. But you know, you definitely would love to have a Zachary Redsky in there. You know, even though you said you'd like to get rid of him, you know, the roster does look better with him in it, unless you're getting something of value for him. But now we're sitting in the summer and we're looking at all these guys, and I mean a lot of big name guys and a lot of teams, including the Maple Leafs and you guys, that have the cap space to sign these guys but just aren't completely agree. Um, when you were naming the defenseman, have you done any research on, uh, Gavrikov? Uh, for prospects on your side? No, I have not. I tell you what, if you want to check out a defenseman, that's got a lot of hype for Columbus, give him a look into, he came in and played a little bit for us. Um, he came straight over from the KHL. And when he came over, from joined us in the playoffs he did not look out at all he was going toe-to-toe with boston and it was fantastic to watch this young kid come in well that's good that's something you know it's always good to have these guys on elc deals you know and especially if they're able to put up because that's basically a window we talk we had a joke over here called the marlow zone because we had all our best players, you know, in that. I love that, Patty Marlowe. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. How can you know? He's I, pure class. You know, it's it's sad oh, that we got him so when the nice. wheels were falling off. But but you look at yeah, it, I, you need those players on ELC to, to build your team around. So, I mean, we had the Matthews, the Marner, the Nylander, et cetera, et cetera, on those deals. So, we were able to go out and get pricey guys. So, you know, hopefully this kid booms up. I mean. With SKA Petersburg last year for the KHL, I mean, what, 60 games, 20 points, uh, plus, whew, look at him go, plus 48, Jeez. and only 10 penalty minutes. So, I mean, he's not doesn't look like he's a guy that draws, takes a lot of penalties, doesn't look like he fights, so maybe that guy that's got a little bit of sandpaper that can play between the rules. Yeah. Um, 
I've heard a couple things people throwing speculation out. If the Leafs do not go far in the playoffs, where do you think Babcock stands as a coaching job? Do you think he loses it? Uh, yep. I hope not. Because here's the thing is that uh, Babcock is one of the best coaches in the NHL. I don't know. Completely agree. I don't know what the elite fans of Toronto want out of a coach. Like, you're, you're, it's going to be tough to get a better coach than Babcock. Like, yeah, we have the. That's where we can spend a lot of extra money that other teams can't. But, I mean, yeah, like, there aren't that many coaches in the world that are better than Mike Babcock. I think people just need to accept how good he is and that. I think Dubas. Uh, it would be in that camp of needing to accept how good of a coach Mike Babcock is. If Mike Babcock, if he tells you that he needs something for his team, that he probably legitimately needs it. Like this is a guy that consistently goes to the playoffs, consistently develops young players, knows how to handle high level talent. Uh, people get frustrated when he they see him sitting. Uh, I wouldn't say sitting, but not not playing Matthews in situations they thought at the end of last year and putting out Patrick Marlowe. Uh, I think if it was any t- any at least any American team because a lot of Canadian t- fans are crazy in general, but <laughs> but if anybody else saw that and said, "Oh, you're playing your most experienced guy in a playoff game, game seven, the most," yeah, that makes sense. But if the Leafs do it, if Mike Babcock does it, it's crazy and it's something I can't believe he didn't give Matthews another three minutes ice time. And like, whereas I see it, I'm like, Marlowe's gonna be way steadier. He's been in that situation many many times. That was like Matthew's yeah. second ever playoffs. To me, that makes sense. And but you, I mean, you, if I were to put that on Twitter, oh my goodness. <laughs> See, I'm going to jump in right now and say I, I completely disagree. I think your best players should be on the ice. I think that you should have rode the brakes off those two lines. You should have rode the brakes off of. Tavares, Marner, those six, whatever your top six is, whatever you sprinkle your top six as for that series of Boston, those players should have been just driven into the ground to finish off game seven. I mean, because yeah. that's your season. That's the that's what you do all year long right. to win is you do that to so your star players. So you play them less, yes, but they should have been out there to win that game. You, I love Patty Marlowe, but Doug, you said it down the stretch. He lost a step yeah. and shouldn't have even been in the lineup. Probably you look not. at guys like you look at guys like uh, Kadri wasn't there, so you're looking at just makeshift lines. You're looking at Connor Brown. You're looking at these. I gotta say it, plug kind of players that can score and do these things, but they're not the big name guys. The big name guys need to be out there in big name situations, not only to earn their dollar, but that's just what they do. That's the kind of player they've been bred to be, and those are the moments they win. Do you tell me that Sidney Crosby shouldn't have been on the ice for the golden goal? You know, these players are out there in key situations because that's when they're supposed to be out there, and that's how they're supposed to be played and utilized. I mean, uh, the way I look at it is uh, Patrick Marlowe, he had that experience. Matthews didn't. Matthew was injured. Marlowe wasn't. So I can understand. And the other thing is, as a coach, you're much more in tune with what's going on with a player on a given day. You know, it doesn't matter if it's game seven or first game of the regular season or the middle of the regular season. If a guy's having a bad day on the ice, he's having a bad day on the ice. And I feel like Babcock responds to a lot of that type of stuff that we don't pick up on as fans and as viewers but that's me speculating right like that's not fact the fact is that Matthews didn't play at the end of that game seven probably as much as most Leafs fans would have preferred um 
But I mean, we've talked about this so many times. I feel like there was probably a dozen other reasons we lost other than Mike Babcock choosing when when Matthews played in Game Seven. That series should have been won earlier. So to to get to yeah, the root of, of Ryan's question, <laughs> I do think he should be fired though. Oh if God. the Leafs are not doing well, I do think that the they should move on from Mike Babcock. You have uh, Hackstall on the bench from Philly that does have head coaching experience, but I think there's a guy. In, in the Marlies, and Doug, you know I ride this train hard. And don't get me wrong, guys, I love Mike Babcock. I think he's a great coach, and I think he's a great coach for the Maple Leafs. But everyone in every organization in most positions has a shelf life. And I think Mike Babcock's shelf life may be getting close to the end of its expiration date. And you look at a guy like Sheldon Keefe and what he can do with young players and how he works with young players – there has to be a reason he's willing to stay with the Marlies other than being paid handsomely because he could have easily taken an NHL job, which is what everybody in any career wants. They want the next step, the next pedestal. So I think if the Leafs get off to a, either a slow start in the first 30 games or they get blown out again in the first round, I think he's gone. I don't think there's really, anything. That early. And, and Dubas had it written into his contract by Brendan Shanahan. This is fact that he is allowed to fire Mike Babcock. <laughs> that That is fact. So uh, that can happen. I mean, and that's, that's the thing, too. Like, as fans of the sport, we can sit there and criticize all the time. We can sit there and say we should have done this, they should have done that. But when it comes down to it, coaches are human, too. They're just as human as players are. So, yeah. It's just one of those things. I mean, it sucks that it happened, and we just, I mean, as teams, I mean, we can't live in the past. we got to look forward to the future. I mean, it's. I, I do completely agree, though, that if Babcock does start off to a bad start, I don't I don't think he'd be fired as close as what you said, but I think, I think if we're looking at the trade deadline and the Leafs aren't in the playoffs, he will be gone. Oh, for sure. What do you think about I, uh, Mr. John Tortorella with the Columbus Blue Jackets? What's his shelf life? Like, what's his um, expectancy for this year? Is it make the playoffs year out, or does he get a lot of rope because Yarmo Kekalainen decided to trade the Sun, the Moon, the Stars, and then lost out on everybody leaving? So he's not going to blame John Tortorella, or is the message where he, you know, is a hard coach but a nice guy going to be something that gets lost with these players eventually? Um, to answer your question, I. I think that Yarmo looks at it at the at the aspect that you said, where we've looked and said we've lost all these players. If you can't get us to the playoffs, we understand. Um, but yeah, Torts has done so much amazing things for the organization, and I mean, from the top down, when we had John Davidson, I mean, we lost him too to the Rangers. That's a little scary because now all of it falls on Yarmo Kekalainen. And the whole the job that John Davidson did as president of hockey operations and as active GM, it could be it could be a rough few years. I mean, I'm hoping we don't go back to the dark years where we were picketing and calling for Scott Housen to get fired because I've been a Jackets fan since the day one, and those were some rough and scary times. But I think we're getting to the point to where. Like you said, everybody has a shelf life, and it's to the point 
to where, yes, it's, we're sad to see these players go, but we're looking so much forward to the future and the prospects that we have that we're willing to, we're willing to miss the playoffs next year. We're willing to miss the playoffs the year after if it's going to mean that we're going to have a good solid run in the playoffs again for three, four, five years because of the prospects having to mature the way they are. Um, you brought on the fact of the goaltending situation with Jonas Corposalo. I've said it before, and I'll say it again on audio. Elvis, Cor- uh, Elvis Merzlikens gains the starting position from Jonas Corposalo within the first 20 games. Because if Yarmo had any any trust or any belief that Jonas was going to be our starting goalie for the future, he would have signed him for longer than a one-year deal. That's true. I mean, we talked about, you know, Andreas Janssen wanting to bet on himself with a one-year deal. I mean, could the same be said for Jonas Corposalo? Maybe he wanted to bet on himself, show everyone that he is, you know, this world-beating, world-stopper, you know, and could outdo Sergei Bobrovsky handedly, you know, now pay me my money. Or it's like you said, Yarmo Kekalainen and said, "Nah, I know what you are. I'll wait to find somebody better. Enjoy your year." Yeah, yeah. And and Yotis has points where he's came in for Bobrovsky and he's looked pretty solid. Um, so it, it could be a crapshoot. We could throw two goalies out there and say, "Okay, fight for it and see which one comes out." But just from watching Elvis the last few years, from development camps and watching him grow over in Latvia during worlds he's he's going to be so good I just I just hope people can see it as early as what we've seen it let's hope because I mean I don't want to see you guys go back to the bottom it's been fun watching (laughs) you guys pour it on you know what I mean and yeah any expansion team that comes in the league they always have trouble starting off and now I'm not looking at you Vegas you're an outlier period Vegas is (laughs) <laughs> that that is the ultimate outlier. We'll see how Seattle, or yeah, we'll see how Seattle does when they come in. But you always want to see teams, you know, especially teams that go for it. I want to see them do well the next year because you want your GM and your guys to say, "Hey, we're going to swing for the fences and bring all these guys in." Now, if Columbus falls down and is ended up being the bottom of the Eastern Conference. You know, it's going to make more GMs reluctant to make the big deals like Yarmo did. And who knows if Yarmo will stick around. Stick around. So, um, I really hope that you guys do well. I really do. Yeah. And I was at both games when Columbus played Toronto last year. And believe me, we were so hoping we drew you guys first in, in, the, in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, thankfully we didn't because we swept Tampa. But <laughs> it's just... It's so much fun watching the Jackets play the Maple Leafs because it's it's a really good game. Like it's back and forth, skilled players, and it's really fun to watch. I was I was kind of hoping you guys would let Casper Kapanen go, but you guys were able to re-sign him. I love Casper. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he's definitely he can fly. He's great on the penalty kill. He just needs to and nail the breakaway like just Jimmy. a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He's kind of like you guys with Jimmy. He might be our poor man's version. Who knows? <laughs> hey, if, that, if that's a poor man's version of Artemi Panarin, I'd take it. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like when you, uh, you know, you went to both Leaf games uh, with Columbus last year. What was it like running into Kyle Dubas and then getting to post that tweet and then have him basically, you know, 
come back with a confirmation later on. Oh, you mean people ain't forgot about that yet? Damn. <laughs> not in Toronto. Listen, ain't, ain't, ain't nobody going to forget that in Toronto. Toronto. <laughs> we never forget. <laughs> Man, you know I, what? I, I, didn't, people... I didn't get mad at you for posting it. I mean, I looked at it like you had the picture. You obviously talked to the guy. And the kicker was when he posted Never in Doubt, that was wicked. Yeah. 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 It's And that's the thing. Like, it's so cool. And I love Kyle Dubas because of that fact. He is such a young GM, and he's coming up to this point where he is a millennial. He's able to do some of this stuff and interact with fans the way some of these older GMs, like years ago, they didn't have this kind of technology, and it's really cool to see. But to answer the question, like like I said, I just ran into Kyle Dubas and just talked to him, and all I did was reply what he said. And I we know now that I did take the – what he said out of context as far as he was just trying to poke some fun with me, but he definitely got, definitely got the last laugh. That's for sure. But it, <laughs> it, it was a fun experience. though. like, I've had some pretty cool Leafs fans. I didn't get too much hatred from it. And that's, that's why I've said hands down that other than the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Leafs have some of the coolest fans because they, they, they took it with a grain of salt and kind of laughed at it and was like, okay, yeah, we, we understand you were just trying to do right and what you heard and weren't trying to troll us or anything and it it's what it was. We uh <laughs> we were kinda having some fun with it, me and my co host Troy. We were sitting there saying, Man, with uh Columbus playing Toronto the first game, if Mitch Marner wasn't signed, we should post another picture of me and Kyle Dubas and do another <laughs> thing for Mitch Marner, but I was like we might have a bad outcome on that one. Just just change Kyle Dubas's outfit and yours to make it look like it's summertime, and then you're all good, right? <laughs> yeah, a couple people already did that with the last picture. They were posting their pictures of themselves on top of or on top of my face, and was put all kinds of captions into it. Almost became sort of a meme, which I thought was pretty hilarious. So I enjoyed the enjoyed the laughs of that. But yeah, we got to meet Austin Matthews, uh, Tavares, um, got a autograph from Kasperi Kapanen so it was it was pretty cool and I got to talk to Steve Dangle so that was pretty nice too <laughs> Steve's not <laughs> a bad guy I like listening to his show <laughs> no nah, him I got I don't know if you guys followed it too much but I I got to go and uh do a little video thing with uh Steve Dangle through his YouTube channel and then I got to end up being on a TSN radio show talking with uh, Dark Guy and Todd Shapiro, which was pretty neat. They're two pretty cool guys, especially Dark, Dark Guy. I talk to him every now and then, but he kind of kind of stays in contact. And it's fun uh, fun for me because I get to every once in a while I'll bump into him at uh, at an OJHL game. He was working for uh, for Aurora last year, I believe, and occasionally you just see yeah. him like up in the stands scouting. So that was always it was always interesting bumping into him at uh, junior games. Yeah, I mean, what a story! Like you get a scouting job basically because you became famous overnight. Like <laughs> he was, he was a former hockey player, which is pretty cool too. So he's got that experience and like you're kind of envious of it. Cause it's like, I'd rather, I'd rather scout players and do what I do for a living. So <laughs> get paid to watch hockey and just, and decide how yeah. good players are and who's going to move on and stuff. Yeah. That's, that's like the dream, yeah, isn't that's... it? Yeah, and I don't know like if I don't know if you guys have jobs or if this is what your guys' main job is, but I work 
a 7 to 3.30 job Monday through Friday. So everything that we're posting right now is trying to find space in between work and through breaks and after, like, it's been it's been so much of a job. My girlfriend's getting ready to kill me because she's like, you don't spend any time with me. And I told her, I said, <laughs> you got to realize. And I, ga- I gave her this morning. I said, I've been a hockey fan since 1995 when the Dayton Bombers and the ECHL was still in existence. I said, hockey will always come first. That is one thing in my life that will never leave me. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I get no, that. No, I can uh, I can hundred percent relate with uh, with that. I mean, myself, I work a six to three job. I have two little ones, the wife, two dogs. My wife has her own business as well, so we're we're always hopping. So everything that we post, everything that we do, is well for my end of things anyway. It's squished into a time frame to make sure that it all gets out there and gets on. But it's insane. Oh, yeah. I, can, I can relate to you, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, like, I think from where we started in July, like, we started July 2nd, and we're over 1,200 followers. Now we're working on a website and getting a podcast started. So I think we're really, really pushing for, to get everything all set up by training camp, and I'm really excited to get everybody along with it, and it's going to be a good ride. Well, for us, it's uh, getting to do a podcast about our favorite hockey team every week is like a form of therapy and relaxation and everything rolled into one. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy it down in Columbus. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like we said, we took a step back and we looked at it because you've got podcasts that originally we were going to break down in an hour show and do half of it, Columbus Blue Jackets, half of it, the NHL. And then I got to think, I'm like, well, then we're going to lose our – NHL followers because nobody wants to sit through 30 minutes of Columbus Blue Jackets if they're not a fan. So we're just going to do a whole hour show uh, talking about other teams and kind of digging in depth in between that. And then when we get to the Blue Jackets, we'll talk about that for a little bit and just kind of go with it from there. Because we want to cover all NHL teams. Like We just don't want to be tied to one. And we just feel like it's going to be a bigger market that way. I mean, we may have our work cut out for us, but it's like I said, it's definitely going to be a fun ride. No, it'll be a fun ride. I mean, we're always here if you need somebody to lean on Toronto's side. We always like to talk hockey, but, you know, covering the whole NHL, being a Toronto fan, we're kind of lucky. There's always news. There's always something to talk about with the Leafs. And then, of course, you can always touch on the bigger name stories, and that's what we did last year. And we also do stuff for the Junior Hockey League, the uh, OJHL. So we, we, we dabble in a little bit of other stuff, but it – I will tell you, my friend, it does get a little bit exhausting, but it is a labor of love, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And if it gives back to the fans and they're able to they're able to get their hockey news and appreciate what we do, then that's ultimately what we all really want. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, that's the end of the story right there. Well, Ryan, yep. I want to thank you very much for, for jumping on with us. I want you to let everybody know about what you're doing with the uh, Inside the Neutral Zone, the podcast, and everything, and where people can find you. All right. It was very nice talking to you guys, too. And if you guys are wanting to follow Inside the Neutral Zone, you can follow us on Twitter at ITNC Hockey. Um, just stay posted between there because we're getting ready to upload our podcast here in the next week or two, and then our website should be up by training camp in September. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we look forward to speaking with you again once the uh, Maple Leafs are playing the Columbus Blue Jackets. And uh, maybe you can give us a little update on Maxim Fortier as well. (laughs) Hey, that sounds completely good with me. 
All right, Ryan. Well, thank you very much, my friend, for stopping by. That is Ryan Lacey of Inside the Neutral Zone. You guys have been listening to Offside Hockey Talk. We will catch you with another episode here later this week.